Welcome to the C3 Oxford Falls podcast. For more information about our church, please visit myc3church.net. Wherever you are listening from right now, get ready to receive as God has a word just for you. Wonderful. Good to see you guys back from holiday. Here we all are. My voice is wrecked already. I've been back from holiday for like three days and I can hardly talk. I've been preaching all weekend. So good to see you. You look amazing. How many people are back from holiday? Come back from somewhere. Look at you all. Welcome home. It's good to have you here. Absolutely magnificent. Well, touch your neighbor and say, I'm glad I'm sitting next to you. Would you do that? Thank you very much. While I was uh, away this uh, weekend, it was, um, well, at this conference for 24 hours or so speaking, uh, a young man came up to me and introduced himself and then told me who his parents were. Uh, This is the guy, and uh, his name is Samuel, Samuel Watson. Uh, Nearly 50 years ago, when I, well, in 1971, uh, we uh, were born again in what was known as the Jesus Revolution. And uh, so uh, I asked the Lord into my life, was baptized in the Holy Spirit. Chris did the same night we received Jesus. And we got inspired to reach out. And so uh, we, like, I was at that point of time trying to be an artist, but to support being an artist, I was a rubbish collector. I was riding around at four o'clock in the morning on the back of rubbish trucks, emptying bins into the back of a rubbish truck. And I read a scripture that said, touch not the unclean thing. So I knew I had to leave that. And uh, I, <laughs> I, we got a big house and we said, let's rent this house and just reach out and bring people back to the house. Criminals had just re- been released from prison uh, we, who were under, sleeping under bridges. We took them home, got all of our stuff stolen quite a few times and uh, took home drug addicts. Uh, we had... A lot of, a lot of uh, people coming off drugs would come to the house and find themselves miraculously set free. Uh, when we went into this house, we started a meeting on a Monday night, and every time we came in there, this haze would fill the room. It was, a, it was the presence of God, and, and it would stay there. And so every time I walked through that room, I'd kind of slow down and walk on tiptoes because I could feel this presence in the room. And we would sit there sometimes for a long time, just say nothing and soak in that, in that presence. It was very powerful. We had uh, a Pelfium addict, which is synthetic heroin, who came around to our place, that house one night. Uh, he told us the story. He uh, was sitting in his room playing his guitar and, uh, and he felt this impression that he needed to come around to our house. He'd been there once before with a friend, but he knew he didn't want to come because it had something to do with God. And uh, he didn't want anything to do with God. So he, uh, he locked the door in his room so he couldn't get out. And then the pressure got stronger on him. And so he took the key out of the door and threw it out the window. And, uh, and this guy was wild, like crazy guy, Pelfium addict, uh, and, and had pink hair when pink hair wasn't popular. And uh, just sticking out everywhere and uh, skinny as a rake. And, and, and so he got this pressure on him so much that he couldn't get out the door now because he'd thrown away the key. He climbed out the window and came around to our place and said, look, uh, you know, it was about three o'clock in the morning, knocking on our door and said, 
I don't know why I'm here, but I just feel like I've got to be here. And we said, we know. So we led him to Jesus. Uh, he went around at home. We said, get, go get all your drugs and your kit. And we smashed them up and, and got rid of it all. And, uh, and then he just sat in that room for three days, didn't move out of a chair, and, and got set free. Came, came out of that completely liberated from drug addiction in the presence, in the presence of God. Uh, and, and we saw unusual miracles like that happened many, many, many times. But one night when we were having that meeting, a group of bikies, uh, tough guys, you know, t- muscles, tattoos, not that tattoos always go with muscles these days, but anyway, it's, <laughs> yeah, it's, sorry. Uh, so it's like, uh, the, these were the days when people with a tattoo, they were the rough crowd. And uh, so they all arrived. They had chains. They were ready to beat up the Christians. They were going to have a night out. And that was their idea of having fun for the night out. So they all turn up. There's about 12 of them. And they all walk into our big room where we have all this meeting. And the presence of God hit them all. Hit them all. They, they, just, they, they stood there and, and they were ready to rumble. But they couldn't. So I just started, we all just started witnessing to them, talking to them about, you got to meet Jesus. you got to have the Son of God come into your life. And one by one, I led them all to Jesus, except for one. They all came to Christ that night. It was a long night because I did it, we, we did it individually. I said, you want to do it? Yeah, come. So come. And we would pray. Now, one of them, his name was Popcorn. And he had red hair, and he had a crew cut, and he had long hair down there, and he had teeth missing, and he, uh, muscle-bound, big guy. He came back the next day. He said, yeah, I didn't want to do it last night in front of my mates, but I do want to do it, and uh, so can we do it now? And, uh, and so I said, sure. Well, Popcorn's name was Bruce Watson, and Bruce Watson is the father of Samuel Watson, that kid there. And Bruce married this beautiful Dutch girl in our church, came from a pristine, holy family. I got no idea how he convinced that girl to marry him. He had stolen a bus and did a joyride around Christchurch. So he had to appear in court and we all went off to court and said, no, he's okay now, he's a Christian. And uh, the judge said, okay, off you go. And uh, they were sending people like him around to our house quite a lot. We saw about a thousand people come to Christ over those nine months that we were in that, in that house. This is 1971. So that's like, what, 37 years ago, uh, 47 years ago, 40, nearly 50 years ago. Legacy, huh? It lives on. I was just up in the chapel service and a gentleman called Murray Robertson came up to me with his wife and said, we're Lauren's parents. I said, wow, that's amazing. Lauren was leading worship in church. She is the wife of Ben Hughes, who, uh, is it Ben Hughes? Yeah, Benjamin Hughes, who is our cameraman, is permanently you know, employed here. And, and so I said, that's amazing. What church do you go to? He said, oh, we got born again in a C3 church in Melbourne. Uh, many years ago when Lauren was just a little baby. I'm going, how wild is that? Here she is now leading worship up in Sydney, married to a guy in the house of God. All I'm saying that, 
You don't know who you're talking to and what's happening in people's lives. Years and years and years later, the legacy will live on of your impact in people's lives. It is unbelievable what can happen. If you can just keep on walking, you will find that there is a whole generation of things that are yet to happen in the life of this church, in the life of people all around the world. This morning, like nearly 50 years ago when we started uh, in DY, in, well, not 50, sorry, 40 years ago, in, in 1980, 13 people in, in DY Surf Life Saving Club, Chris and I, and our two kids, and... Uh, Simon and Helen and their two kids, uh, three kids, two at that stage, two at that stage. This girl here was one of them, and uh, uh, that's Emily. And, uh, and, and then a couple other people. I mean, we didn't have any lights or smoke or high, had overhead projector. We, we had a brand new one, so it was pretty cool. That was about, that, that was it, 13 people. Today, this morning, Around the world, there's 120,000 people worshiping in C3 congregations, lifting their hands, doing what you were doing here a few moments ago. With that, and that means like thousands of pastors, thousands of worship leaders who have been graduated through our colleges, through our schools, through everything like that. We do it because of you. When we're talking about generosity, and we've got that simple phrase up there, tithes and offerings, we can do all that because you have been faithful, you've been a giver, you've been solid, you've been here each week. And you might think, well, I don't know what I'm doing around this place. I gotta turn up and sit in a seat. Honestly, sitting in that seat for me, that's enough. That's a, that's a good place to start. Just being here in the house. What's the plan? The plan is to be planted, to be planted in the house of God and flowing with the vision of what we're doing you will find yourself being part of an amazing miracle. We live in a time like no other time in the history of the world. There are 7 billion people on the face of the earth. That's more people than all the combined generations together. And God has put you on the earth right now. It was only 200 years ago that the earth's population got to 1 billion. Ever since 1974, we have increased by another billion every 12 years. We have more people right now who need to be in church and in the house of God. It is not a day for small thinking, people. It is not a day for holding back. It is not a day for thinking, I'll oh, just take it easy. It's not a day for comfortable Christianity. It is a day for a revolution, a movement, a powerful church of Jesus Christ that is going to overcome all of the opposing forces in this world. And let me tell you, it's not going to be done because we have another planning meeting. It'll happen because you and I are people of prayer, people of prophecy, people of praise, people of worship. And when we start to change the world and change the atmosphere that we live in with prayer and with prophecy and with praise, we're going to change history right here in this place, people. Don't look me down. I'm telling you, we are living in the most powerful hour in the history of the world. This is the church's finest hour. If you and I will rise to it, we will see something like we have never seen in the history of the church. It is a day of revival. It is a day of outpouring. It is a day of the moving of the Holy Spirit like never, ever before. You and I are part of that right here, right now. Oh, in Jesus' name. Oh, God. We gotta believe this. I'm not here to warm seats in church. 
My God, there are plenty of places you can go if you just want to warm a seat. We are here to be part of something that changes the world. And, and we have the power within our grasp to do it, friends. So seize the year. What's the plan? Well, I've only ever had one plan, and that's prayer. I don't, I, I've never made a New Year's resolution in my life. Never. Nobody ever keeps them. And as soon as you create a law for yourself, you break it. It's human nature. The whole Old Testament is full of it. Give people laws, they get worse. But put a spirit inside of them and they transform. So it's not a law imposed from the outside, that's our answer. It's the law of the spirit from the inside that will transform our lives. How do I switch that law on? How do I get myself filled with the Holy Spirit? How do I get empowered with the power of God? Jesus told us simply, go wait on God in Jerusalem until you get clothed with power. He said, I want you to go into all the world, but whoa, before you go, go and get some power. You can't do what I'm asking you to do unless you've got power on you. You can't win people to Christ. You can't heal the sick. You can't do anything of the New Testament that I'm asking you to do unless you first get yourself filled with the Holy Spirit. And the simple exercise of being filled with the Holy Spirit is prayer. Every day, if you just spend a little time soaking in the presence of God, you'll find a power comes on the inside of you. You pop a cork in your spirit and you will start to pray throughout the day. The Christian life is being baptised in prayer. Prayer is the answer to just about every situation you face. When I was first a pastor, the trend was that if a person in the church had a problem, they would go to the pastor for some counselling. And I quickly found out I had no anointing for that at all. So, but I think that was God because I think that the real answer is not going to the pastor, but going to the Lord. The Bible says, is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Because your suffering, your problem might be God knocking on the door, trying to get your attention. It could be, it could be something that's trying to draw you towards Him and you're struggling and struggling. And it is amazing to me how much depth of pain people need to have sometimes before they will turn to God. Why wait for the trial? Why wait for the attention getting pain? Why not turn to Him when you're getting blessed? Turn to Him when things are good so that there's no need in your world for anything to get your attention. And I'm telling you, sometimes though, there will be pain in our lives so that we cry from a depth that we cannot access unless we're in that situation. I know this is a little convicting, a little deep for a Sunday morning, but bear with me because it's gonna help you. Ephesians 3.14 says, For this reason I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. If I can urge you to start the year on your knees, you'll finish standing on your feet. If you start the year standing on your feet with your resolution saying, I'm gonna do this and I'm gonna do that, and you haven't really sought God for His help in actually making that come to pass, you'll probably end the year on your knees crying for Him to rescue you. If you start on your, start on your knees everything, a dependency upon God is gonna fill you with power. Humbling your heart, 
before God and saying, I need help, is going to actually get you wisdom from God to know the things that you, you don't know what to do with your relationships, with your family, with your finances, with your housing, with your direction in life. It's time to seek the Lord. And the power of seeking God is even greater when we seek God together. This last week, I was speaking to Chris Hodges in America, who is on the phone to him about another matter. And he's in the middle of a 21-day fasting and prayer time in his church. And we're so privileged to have him come in a presence conference. He has possibly the biggest revival going on in America right now. He said to me, I've got 18,000 people coming out at 6 a.m. every morning for prayer. I'm saying, man, you're arguing for the, for the turnaround of America with a prayer meeting like that. You're arguing for one of the greatest. This guy is coming to Presence Conference. This will transform some people's lives. I want revival in Australia, but I know it won't happen unless we pay a price. People want, want the glory, but they don't want, to, they don't want the pain. They, 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 want, they want the crown, but, but not the cross. We, we want all the good things that, but the Bible says God is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. And the seeking of God should be at the very core of what our Christianity is. I've been asked many times by a lot of people, what's the secret? How are you doing? What are you doing? I say, it's so simple. It's no secret at all. I just pray and read the Bible. And they said, but that's basic Christianity. I said, exactly, exactly. I can give you message after message about how powerful the Bible is, but it is pointless unless you read it. I can give you countless examples and stories and scriptures about the power of prayer. I can give you the Greek meaning for the word prayer, supplication, intercession, all the different kinds of prayer, thanksgiving and worship and communion, all the different kinds of manners of devotionals that you can have in prayer. But it is completely pointless unless you actually pray, unless you actually spend some time praying every day and commune with your Father. The area of your Christian life that most easily dies, the flame of prayer. When that burns low in your life, circumstances of a negative nature will rise. Impotency in your ministry will increase. Power in ministry doesn't depend on lights and screens and nice music. It depends on how deep you are in prayer. These are just assistances. But we can have meetings in the middle of a field and see hundreds and thousands of people coming to Christ without one microphone, without one. John Wesley and George Whitfield have proven it that you're going to have national revivals without any of the assistances if your dependency is upon God. Charles Finney had 110,000 people come to Christ in a very short period of time, a couple of years. He would send a, a prayer person into the town that he was going six weeks before. This doctor of prayer would pray in that town. Charles Finney would come to town. They'd have a massive revival. Don't believe that anything happens without somebody having prayed for it. Let me tell you the backstory of Samuel, the story I opened with today. When we got born again, every, every Tuesday night we had a prayer meeting, I think and Thursday night, and I'd go down and I'd go to the prayer meeting, Chris and I'd be there, and I could never get there before this elderly woman who was bruised and battered and, and, and looked very thin, she had an alcoholic husband who would bash her 
when he had come home. He wasn't. They were Bruce's parents. This was a woman, it cost her a lot to get down to that prayer meeting. But she spent a lot of time in that prayer meeting. The reason we had a revival like we did was because of three women, and she was one of them, who would go down to that church and pray every day. And they said, we've been praying here for 20 years since Smith Wigglesworth was in town. And we're going to keep on praying until we see revival. We're going to keep praying for all you young people that you stay and keep following Jesus. They were on a different planet culturally to me. But somebody has paid a price for us sitting here today. Somebody has been praying. Somebody's in a back room. Somebody's creating an atmosphere for you and I to follow Christ. Nothing is going to happen. No anointing, no power. Nothing comes to us without a price. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face, then I will hear from heaven and I will heal their land. I will forgive their sin and you will see a national revival. It begins not because of administrative meetings. It begins not because of any resources or connections or, or degrees that we've got from education. It comes because we have paid a price in prayer. When the Bible says, come, all you are hungry and thirsty, buy from me wine without price. How can you buy something that hasn't got a price on it? He's talking about a monetary price. He's talking about a wine you buy from heaven by spending time with God and letting the infilling of the Holy Ghost spill out through you, not only reducing the number of problems you're gonna have in your life, but also becoming effective in touching the world around you. Paul said, for this reason, I bow my knees. Every one of us have got a reason in here to bow our knee. Say, I gotta bow my knee to you, God, because my parents don't come to church. God, I gotta bow my knee because my kids, my kids, they're not, they're not where they should be. God, I gotta bow my knee to you because we, our finances are in such a mess. There's a reason for this reason. Paul's reason was that the Ephesian church needed some attention, needed some help. But we might be needing to bow our knee to God because of what happened in the past. We might need to bow our knee to God because we want what we want to happen in the future. We might, we might need to bow our knee right now. Say, dear God, what's happening to me today? I, I've got to have you in my life. And you know what? Sometimes you'll cry out to God and He won't answer your prayer. Not like you thought He would. He might, cha- he might not change the circumstance. He might change you. I cried out to the Lord and He answered me with strength in my soul. That's a psalm. That's David. I cried out to the Lord. I wanted Him to change those people. I wanted Him to change my circumstance. But I found I got strength in my soul so I could cope with an unresolved circumstance. I didn't run from it. I faced my problem full on because I got new strength on the inside of my soul. There's only one way I can face every day with the amount of difficulties you have with 600 churches is not small. And, and, and the size of them is not small. And the feelings of them are not weak, they're strong. And to, and to carry that and to keep facing it again and again and to get back on the battlefield, there's no other way other than to draw strength from the mighty, to wait on God and renew strength on the inside of our soul. 
If you're feeling weak and exhausted, then you come to the one who's never weak, who's never exhausted. Those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They'll mount up with wings like eagles. They'll run and not be weary. They'll walk and not faint. This is a fact, friends. You might say, oh, I've got to go have a rest and a holiday. And some of you come back and you're still exhausted because the exhaustion is not the need of a physical thing. It's a mental exhaustion. It's an emotional exhaustion of dealing with certain circumstances. But if you would spend some time in the presence of the Almighty God, you're going to find there is a hookup with a power from another world. You get a hookup from somebody on the surface while you're under the water and you're breathing air that's got power in it. You're breathing air that's got wisdom in it. You're breathing air that's got strength in it. You're breathing air from God Himself as He breathes into your lips. He is so waiting and wanting to breathe life into you, to have relationship with you, to walk with you. Meanwhile, we satisfy ourselves with broken cisterns, broken fountains. And he says, you've forsaken me, the fountain of living water. When we could just spend time in his presence, drinking the freshest water, the sweetest wine, the most beautiful fuel for your spirit that'll set you on fire. This is what Christianity is. It isn't just going through religious observances, going to church once a week, coming along to a connect group and hoping for some community. If you are not connected and walking with Him, it's all gonna start to be meaningless. It's gonna be drudgery. It's gonna be obligation, Christianity. It's gonna be mere religion. And even though we might say, I've got a relationship, not a religion. But many people, times I hear that said, it's, I can hear the hollowness in it. They, they don't know Him. They don't know Him. If you were accused of being a person who knows God, could you be found guilty? Is there enough evidence? Is there enough power? Is there enough fruit in your world that says, yes, He's got a secret going on in the background. Jesus says, listen, when you go to pray, shut the door. That means turn your phone off, leave it in the kitchen. That means get inside your wardrobe or wherever it is. Get inside a, a, a space where you can get focused. Say, dear God, I've been lazy. I've been apathetic. I've been so complacent about this. I'm backslidden in this area. I'm coming back. I'm, for this reason, I bow my knee. And I want, I want to get right. I'm not running to any other Christian for help. I'm not running to the pastor for help. I'm running to God. I'm running to You, Lord. And I'm asking You, Heavenly Father, draw near to me as I draw near to You. You're a rewarder of those who diligently seek You. And I'm going to draw a circle around me. If you've read this in the circle, make a book. I'm not leaving the circle until the rain comes. I'm not leaving the circle. I'm not leaving prayer. Until it comes. We pray here every Tuesday night, 7 o'clock. Yeah, we pray on Friday mornings at 6.30. There is power in praying on your own, but there is even more power in praying together. When we pray together, we are entering the domain of authority. The, part, the preachers, the disciples, they said, teach us how to pray, Jesus. They didn't say, teach us how to preach. They didn't say, teach us how to prophesy, teach us how to, how to create followers, teach us a few leadership principles. They saw His secret, the secret that anybody and everybody can access. Teach us how to pray. And you know what He said? Okay, this is how you do it. You say, ow. He didn't start with, this is how you do it. You say, my Father. He said, our Father. If you're saying our Father, you're saying it with some other people. 
That's, that's simple. We're praying together. If you and I wanna find ourselves at the deepest level of community and connection, praying together is where it's at. When we pray together and we join in the Spirit, I don't mean just saying a prayer. Dear God, tonight bless this. That's, that's saying a prayer. Prayer is a force. Prayer is a spiritual activity. As much as worship is lifting up your hands and singing out to God. But I gotta tell you, worship is dessert. Worship is ice cream. Prayer is vegetables. Prayer is work. But it's steak as well, people. It's rare steak. It's chewy steak. It's meat. And if you will enter into that holy of holy place, you'll hear the voice of God. You're wondering, what should I do? What should I do? If the answer is in there. The answer is with Him. He is so wanting to talk with you and walk with you. He wants to recover what was in the Garden of Eden. Where in the cool of the day, you're just hanging out. There's so many different kinds of prayer. There's agonizing, giving birth prayer. There's intercession. And that's the deepest there is. But then there's just sitting in a chair prayer. Hey, Jesus, thanks. All the good things you've done. Then there's just singing prayer. Then there's just rejoicing. The presence of God is full of joy. If you want to alleviate any discouragement or depression, I can't feel God without smiling. I can't feel God without laughing. Laughter is immediate. Bubbling laughter, immediate in the presence of the Lord. He doesn't come with a frown, wanting to beat you up. He comes with a smile, wanting to cheer you up. So it's all okay, we're good. You might hear that from a man. I can preach reassurance to you, affirmation. It's only secondhand stuff though. When you hear my beloved child from God in heaven, when you hear him commune with your spirit, that will carry you through the rest of your life. When he says, my son, to you, it rings like a bell in your heart for the rest of your days. It's a harmony, it's a chorus, it's a sound of a symphony. God can pour that spirit out on us the spirit of prayer, because it is a spirit. It's not a rule, it's not a law. It's how we will change the world. When I first was starting this church, Chris and I were, you're okay, you can keep going. And uh, we were at DY, Oaks Avenue. That's where Mark and Bernadette, Kelsey joined us. And a few others, actually, we grew to about 200 people in that first year, which I thought was pretty good. These days, we start churches with that number and uh, it's a totally different day, but we started small and just started growing. Down the back was this woman with big platinum silver hair. She looked like she was 90 years old. She was actually. She had big glasses, like black rimmed glasses with Coca-Cola bottle bottoms in the bottom of, in, in the glass, looked like. So her eyes were just huge. I said, hi, so nice to have you here in church. She says, yes, uh, God has sent me to your church. I said, oh, really? And she said, she, he has sent me here, you are my assignment. I said, really? She said, yes, I'm your grandmother. I said, what's that mean? She says, I'm here to pray for you. I'm your grandmother of prayer. I said, thank God for you. What is your name? She said, Sister Wonders. 
trying not to look shocked. I said, that's amazing. She said, yes, I used to be in New Zealand and I prayed for Peter Morrow to get baptized in the Holy Spirit. I prayed for, and she named a few others. These are people I knew in New Zealand when she was a younger woman. But now her ministry was prayer. Well, she passed away because she's quite old. And, and then another couple came into our church, the hills, Pop and Pearl Hill. She was confined to a wheelchair because she didn't have too much of legs. But she was, I would go and visit that woman and I didn't feel like I visited her. I felt like she had visited me. She's so full of the Holy Spirit. She just prophesy when I come in and she'd be praying for us. Pop. She became my grandmother for a while. And then there's others. Rita Chin. Other people who have joined us. Rita's here. There. And I've uh, been part of a prayer team. We're not just here because of because we're clever. We're here because of people like that who pray, who have given their lives in the back room so we can stand on the front. And when I'm in heaven, I'll need binoculars from where I'm sitting. Reader will be up on the front rows. And thank you, Jesus. He's, he's got a front seat for all these faithful, beautiful people that God has got in this world. That boy Samuel is here today because of his grandmother's prayer. She paid a big price to pray those prayers. Her husband beat her up. And it wasn't easy. He eventually came to Christ, which was good news. Whole revivals will break out because we pray together. On my watch, people, we've got to keep the prayer flame alive. And it lingers, it dies easily because we get distracted and we get cool in our spirit and we find not a lot of need for it. But when trouble hits Israel's history, they cry out to God. God would send them a prophet and then a man, a warrior who would defeat the enemy. And then they'd prosper. And as soon as they began to prosper, their spiritual life would tail off. And the thing would be that the prosperity from the years of prayer would continue. But they were running on empty fuel. They were running on empty tanks. They were just running on yesterday's prayers, but eventually it caught up with them and they'd die down. And we can be deluded sometimes thinking, no, everything's going all right, but eventually it's gonna catch up with us. And then they'd start to go down so they'd kick up their spiritual life, start to cry out to God, but they're still on the decline because the momentum of the decline stays there. And so nothing much happens. So you don't wanna get discouraged because when you start praying, nothing happens. It, the lag is a little while. And then eventually your spiritual life catches up with your outside world. But let me tell you this, if you are secure and solid and strong and deep in God, it doesn't matter what's going on around you. It doesn't matter if the Roman Empire is ruling. It doesn't matter if you're in communist China and they're killing Christians by the thousands. It doesn't matter where you are, whether you're in prosperity or, or, or poverty, whether you're in persecution or complete acceptance. If you are living deep in Christ, nothing else matters in this life. You can sail through everything. You'll find yourself on a solid rock. You'll find yourself immovable, clinging to the cross. You're an unsailable force, an immovable, powerful force for God. Oh, I pray with all my heart for you that that spirit of prayer will fall on every one of us. Can we all stand as we come to a close? And I want you to reach out to God. Hey everyone. 
what a joy it is to bring the Word of God to so many people all around the world every week. And I just love technology for that reason, that we're able to broadcast through television, through podcasts, through social media, and to bring Jesus into people's worlds in all kinds of ways. Obviously, there are costs to that. There are uh, expenses in reaching out and accomplishing this preaching of the Gospel. And in the book of Romans, Paul says, how shall I go unless somebody send them? And he's talking about the beautifulness of, of the preaching of the Gospel, how it brings peace and joy into people's worlds. And so the people who are sending us into other people's worlds is you and the people of our congregations. And I'd love you to join with them and with us as partners, sending the Gospel throughout all the world, through all these means that God has put in our hands. And as we partner together, I know that there will be thousands of people in heaven for eternity because of our efforts together. God has called us to do this and we depend on people to send us and support us in taking the Gospel to the world. I wanna say thank you for standing with us and believing God. I'm praying and asking God to touch you and to bless your seed that you sow so that you'll experience an incredible harvest in your lives, in Jesus' Name, Amen. Hey guys, thanks for listening to this week's message from our church. Hope you'll stay connected by following us online. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram by using at C3 Oxford Falls.